This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Before we begin our lesson here on this Mother's Day, let me share a few interesting facts about women. And, and this is a good thing for you women, not for us guys so much, but they, they say that women make up about 60% of the world's population. And men, you need to listen to this fact. It is said that they do two-thirds of the world's work, but they only earn 10% of the world's income and own 1% of the world's property. Sounds pretty unfair, doesn't it? And so maybe, um, guys, maybe we just need to uh, treat uh, the women in our lives, hopefully just one wife in your life, uh, but the women in our life, uh, let's treat them with maybe a little bit more respect than what we have. For those of you that were here last week, hopefully you remember that we began a series called After Your Last Breath. And in our first lesson last week, we talked about what happens to the body, what happens to the soul after our last breath. And I was going to continue that series today, but for some reason, here on Mother's Day, this just didn't seem right to, to preach about hellfire and brimstone on Mother's Day. And, and so you'll be uh, very grateful, moms, that uh, we're, we're going to jump out of our series for one week. Um, now, uh, you know, let, let me just say this before I, I introduce uh, my, my topic. Mother's Day is always a challenge for pastors because this day, even though it's very special and meaningful, um, yet it's bittersweet. It's sweet in the sense that we have the privilege of honoring those who carried us in you know, their womb for nine months and went through the pain of childbirth, and they're deserving of this special day of honor. But it's, it's really bitter for others because there are those that are single, would love to be married, would love to be a mom. There are those that uh, can't be a mom and there are those who've recently lost a mom or a spouse. And, and so while many people today, it's, it's just so sweet, they're celebrating with their mom, yet for others, just regrets and disappointment and memories. And so when it comes to this day, I always try to be careful, and I do want to honor our moms. that They deserve it, but I want to show sensitivity to those who also dread this day. And I had a text from someone today. They just lost their mom about two weeks ago, and they said, I'm sorry, I won't be there. And I said, I understand. And so today, instead of just focusing on our mothers, I want to broaden our topic, and I want to speak to every mother's child, which happens to mean all of us. And if we were in Kansas City or in New York City or some other place similar, I would try to sound dignified. That's really hard for me, but I would try to sound dignified and probably title this lesson, Secrets to Bringing Great Joy to Your Mother. But thank God we're not in New York City. We're in Eldorado Springs, and of course that's a suburb of Shell City and, and Cedar Springs. Um, but, but instead of having the, the title of Secrets to Bringing Great Joy to Your Mother, I'm giving our lesson the title, How to Make Your Mama Happy. I think that's more culturally appropriate for where we are. And even though many of us no longer have our moms with us yet, I believe this lesson will, will still touch all of us. Let's just bow our heads and pray once again. Lord, I just ask that this lesson would, would touch us, that we would be 
better followers of Jesus Christ, that we would be more sensitive to each other. And uh, God, I just pray for your help today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we will go to one of the Ten Commandments. And let me just quickly say that the Ten Commandments are divided into two categories. And the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. And and uh, theologians actually refer to those as the vertical commands. But then the last, the second category of commands deal uh, deal with our relationships with each other. And so they are called the horizontal commands. And both categories of commands go hand in hand. To be right with God, we really need to be right with man. And I know sometimes if the other person refuses to be reconciled, it's not always possible. That's why Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So so to be right with God, if possible, we need to be right with mankind. Let's read this very familiar yet ignored command and... And I'd like for all of us on the count of three to read it together. Let's just uh, read it out, out loud. One, two, three. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, in this command, I believe God is indicating that honor and respect need to begin at home. If at the very beginning of our lives, as, as a young child, if we do not learn to honor and respect our parents, then we will probably never learn to honor and respect other authority figures. Someone rightly said that the religion that doesn't begin at home simply does not begin. Now, I want to give you four very simple ways to make your mama happy. And, and again, I know many of our moms are gone. My wonderful mother passed away eight years ago. But these are basic principles for living life the right way. And, and when I say mama happy, I, I, the context is really how to make your parents happy. First of all, we do so by living a life of honor. The way that I live my daily life will either honor or dishonor my parents. Now, first of all, I want to talk to you parents here. You should begin early in the life of your child and instill in them the fact that they're to honor you. You've probably learned by now that, that honoring parents does not come naturally to a child. We, we, we all know, uh, you know, enough theology to realize that we were all born with a sin nature and that sin nature causes us, us to sometimes be meanest to those who are closest to us. You know, for some reason, we can be nice at school, we can, we, we can be nice at work, we can be nice at church, but when we get home, many of us turn into monsters. We're cranky, we're grouchy, we're sullen, like two different personalities. And so very early, you need to teach your little angel to respect you. Because you will find out that be, before they can talk, before they can walk, they can hit, and they can bite, and they can spit. And one of the first words those little sinners will learn to say is no. And it's not a sweet no thank you. It's an ugly no. So at an early age, children need to be taught obedience and respect. And, 
And, and, and we, we've quoted this verse how many times to our children in Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything. Or another translation says, in the Lord, for this pleases the Lord. And if they do not learn to respect parental authority at an early age, listen, they will never learn to respect their teachers and their bosses and the law enforcement officers that are here to protect them. And most of all, they will never learn to respect God. And, and, and by the way, parents, don't be one of those parents that every time your kid gets unhappy over something at school, that you go flying to the teacher or the principal to defend your little angel. Because sometimes they're sinners, not angels. You know, there may be a time for you to go and, and, and defend them because teachers don't get everything right. But listen, if you're continually waging a war against authority figures, if, if you're continually critical of your teacher, uh, if you're continually critical against law enforcement officers or the school board or your Sunday school teacher and and I know you're never critical of your pastor here, but other churches are. And, you know, if you are continually critical of authority figures, your child will pick up on that and lose respect for them. And so by always going to battle against authority figures, you are essentially dumbing down authority. Not to mention what will happen when they get older and maybe something unfair takes place at their work and you're no longer in a position to go and storm the palace and defend your grown-up baby. You know, sometimes our children need to learn that unfair things do happen. And, and yes, sometimes you need to deal with it and confront it. But at other times, those unfair moments need to be teaching moments to help our children understand that bad things do happen. They happen to Jesus. They need to understand that those things are sometimes part of life. You can't always fix it. Life's not always fair. And sometimes you accept it. Keep a good attitude and move on. So honor and respect must be taught at an early age. But having said that, when, when that child leaves, leaves the childhood stage and, and becomes a young adult then the responsibility of honoring the parents falls on them personally. In the book of Romans, God gives a catalog of the most horrible sins that you could commit. And, and right in the middle of that list, he mentions the sin of disobedience to parents. Let me read it for you. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. It reads like this. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Here begins a list of some horrible, horrible sins. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. And, and catch this, they disobey their parents. That's in the same list as murderers. But God's not finished yet. He goes on and says, they're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. So God has some very strong feelings about children who fail to honor their parents. And furthermore, God even says that disobedience to parents 
listen, will be one of the marks indicating we're in the last days and, and a society is beginning to unravel. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, listen, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denied its power, have nothing to do with them. So we see here that in the final days, this will be one of the characteristics of a society that's beginning to unravel. You say, well, Joe, what if my parents tell me to do something wrong? Well, uh, again, in one translation says that, uh, you know, children obey your parents in the Lord. And really, most of the time, our parents aren't going to demand something that's illegal, immoral, or harmful. You know, if I, as your pastor, were to instruct you to do something contrary to the word of God, should you do it? Of course not. And by the same token, if, if children are told by their parents to do something illegal or steal or prostitute themselves, God does not expect them to obey that. Again, it says, obey your parents in the Lord. But as a whole, most parents do not ask their children to do what is wrong. So... One way that we can make our mama, actually, both of our parents happy is by living a life of honor. Secondly, we bring joy to our parents by helping them. I'm telling you, this is basic stuff. And when children are young, helping their parents may be just a simple act such as picking up their toys. And, and by the way, parents, when, when your children are young, they need to be taught responsibility. Uh, again, it's not a natural thing for children to jump up and say, hey, let me help you out here. Their natural response is to sit and watch you do all of the work. If all your young child does is lay around and watch TV and play on his iPad and doesn't help in an age-appropriate way, then to begin with, it's your fault. It's our fault. We as parents must teach our young children, and when I say young... I'm not talking about beginning during the teenage years. If you wait until then, it's too late. You've already lost the battle. We need to begin way earlier than that. You say, well, how early? Well, every child is different. But earlier on, they should be developing the concept of picking up their toys and cleaning up their messes and helping around the house or helping around the yard. Now, I'm not talking about slave labor. I'm not saying that kids shouldn't have time to have fun. And after being in school all day, I believe they should have some time to unwind and relax and, and play. Don't create a workaholic. But do give them some structure. Give them some boundaries and some responsibility. But, but then listen, the older we get, we should not have to have our parents come and nag us and beg us to help with the work around the house. Or the yard. And, and uh, by the way, teenagers, uh, let me talk to you a moment here. When you become a teen, you ought to be old enough to where you take the initiative and volunteer to help with the daily chores. I, I know you have a busy schedule. You've got ball practice and games and you've got homework, but you're probably no busier than your parents are. 
And, and parents, even though the teens should have the initiative to help yet, you, you, you're still their authority. And, and you may need to still help enforce that they must carry their fair share of the workload around the house. And, and I know I just became very unpopular with all of the teens in this church. But then let me take this concept a little bit farther. As we grow into adulthood, I believe we still have the responsibility to help care for our parents. Especially as they get older and older. I believe there's a growing problem in our society regarding the care of the elderly. And the more pagan a society gets, the less children care for the aged. You know, the pagan tribes of years ago, what they would do, they would turn the elderly out of the village to wander in the jungles until they died. And something very similar is, is happening in America. And, and no, we don't turn them out in the jungle, but we basically forget about them. And, and here's what a lot of us do. We stick them in a nursing home so we don't have to mess with them. Now, I want to be very careful here and, and, and explain that I am not against nursing homes. I thank God for them. And my dad is in a nursing home right now. And I, uh, I had promised my dad, I said, Dad, I'm going to care for you as long as I, I feel like I can. And, 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 and I kept my promise. In fact, I, I probably kept it longer than was safe for him. But when his Parkinson's disease progressed to the point of his being unable to walk or even care for his own basic needs, and uh, there was a need for a lift, and we had no choice but to lovingly do what was best for him. And, and I remember, and, and this isn't about me, but I remember that day that I, I took him to the, to the nursing home, and pulled into the parking lot with my dad. And of course, we had been walking through this for several weeks and months saying, Dad, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. And he said, son, do what needs to be done. And so took him there and I began to weep as I pulled into the parking lot. We went in and did the paperwork and, and I came out of the nursing home, just got in my car and just sat there alone. And I wept like a baby because I never wanted to come to this point um, so I'm not against nursing homes but what I am against is the attitude that some people have toward their aged parents and they view them as a bother and a hassle and and so they just kind of stick them in the nursing home so they're not a bother to to them anymore and you say well you know I don't live in the same town as my parents I understand that you may not be able to visit them weekly or but but you can still be in contact with them and you say well you know what? My parents are at a stage where they act in uh, stage where they they act in ways that embarrass me. You know, they make a mess when they eat, and and they say the same things over and over and over and over, and and they drool. And hey, wait a minute! Wait, wait a minute! You used to make a mess when you ate, didn't you? What did your parents do? They cleaned it up. You used to say the same things over and over as a child. I remember our kids, they'd learn one word, they'd just drive it into the ground. It's like put a sock in it almost. <laughs> um, 
But we said the same things over and over, and our parents just kind of nodded and smiled. Um, you used to drool. Your parents just took a rag and cleaned you up. Did you know that the Bible teaches that if we don't take care of our parents, that we're worse than unbelievers? Let me give you a passage of Scripture that I'll just be transparent with you. I, I took out of context for years, and I, I've heard others that other pastors that have taken it out of context. And as I read the Scripture, you'll recognize the Scripture, but probably not the context. It was just recently that it was like, Oh, my word. I haven't been teaching this correctly. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And, and then catch this right here. And so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. So true religion, again, begins in the home. It, it says we should put religion into practice by repaying our parents and our grandparents. And then let's skip down to verse 8. If anyone, here's the scripture that we've quoted and I've taken out of context. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So what, what, what I have, I've preached on this, on this passage and, 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 you know, we've used it to say, well, parents need to provide for their children. If they don't, they are, I think one translation says, worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. And, and I do believe that concept is true. But if I understand the scriptural context, and again, this is different than I was taught, than I learned, than I've taught, than, than I preached. And it seems to me that it's referring to children providing for their parents. So it appears that God feels pretty strongly about caring for our parents. Well, thirdly, how can I make my parents happy? Number three, uh, by following their teaching. Listen to this powerful verse in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And so heeding the advice, the instruction of our parents is like getting a gold chain around our neck. Now, when we're 12, and I thought about just asking 12-year-olds to raise their hand, but I'm not going to do that. But when we're 12, we think that our parents are really out of touch. I mean, they're so old-fashioned and so dumb. And, and the way they dress is just so embarrassing. And Dad and Mom, please don't walk me into the school because, uh, well, just drop me off a half a block away, okay? I don't want anybody to see you. And it gets worse by the age of 20. And, 
You know, we feel that we've already surpassed our parents in every way. I mean, we're smarter, we're way more cool, we dress appropriately, we're, we're so tech and social media savvy, and our poor parents can't... Oh, oh, so embarrassing. Can't even figure out how to silence the volume on their phone when it rings in church. And by the way, for those of us in the older generation, um, you know, it's never the young people that have their phone go off. It may go off, but it's silent. It's always those of us that are half deaf. Uh, And then we don't know how to silence it. And so we think the only way to stop it is by answering it. Uh, Man, that wasn't in my notes there. I'm sorry. But but during this time as a 20-year-old, you know, that's so embarrassed to mom and dad, and and they feel they've surpassed their parents, you know what, they may not have a dime to their name. They may still be living at home, depend on their parents to pay the car insurance, may have to borrow the car to go someplace, but they've got it all together. But, But dad and mom, could you loan me 20 bucks to get some gas? Yet we think our parents are just fuddy duddies. Whatever that means, Chance. But, but it's funny then when we turn 35, 40, 45, our parents all of a sudden get smarter. Have you noticed that? Um, and we begin to realize that they know a lot more than what we thought. And, you know, I, I, I know I don't look a day over 40. I am I realize, I realize even now, I still don't know nearly as much as my dad knew in his prime. So don't neglect the wealth of information that your uncool, unstylish, old-fashioned parents possess. And no parents aren't right about everything, you know. They may exaggerate a little bit about walking eight miles back and forth to school every day and it being uphill both ways. Maybe a little exaggeration there. And, and, and yeah, they might tell the same stories over and over uh, again. Uh, but you do too. Um, you know, I think it's three weeks in a row I've, heard, I've, I've had a person tell me the same story here, three weeks in a row here. Uh, but, you know, our, our, our parents knowledge and experience is worth listening to. Could I share something that we've we've all heard before? You've heard it, but it's worth hearing again. The title of this article is called The Meanest Mother. Surely mine was the meanest mother in the world. But I was not alone in suffering. My sister and two brothers had the same cruel mother I had. She insisted on knowing where we were all the time. She had to know who our friends were and what we were doing and if We said we'd be home in an hour. That meant an hour or less, not more. When we were young and disobeyed, this dictatorial mother of ours would strike us with a switch. Imagine. And now you begin to see how really mean she was. But even this physical brutality was not the worst part. We had to be in bed early, get up early. We never got to sleep till noon like our friends. And while they slept, we worked. I mean, my mother broke every child labor law there is. We were not even close to 16 when we had to wash dishes and make beds and help cook and do yard work and all sorts of cruel things. And surely that meanest mother must have lain awake nights thinking up mean things for us to have to do. She demanded that we tell the truth, even if it hurt. Sometimes it hurt like everything. 
By the time we neared our teenage years, life became increasingly unbearable. Some of our friends got to date when they were 12. My cruel mother refused to let us date until we were 15 and then only for supervised school functions. We grew up tithing to the church and we never learned not to. None of us ever had the opportunity as other young people to smoke pot, even if it was for medicinal value. I actually added that part right there. But Each of us went to school and learned. We went to work and earned. Each of us got married. And, and what's crazy, now we're going in the same direction in which we've been pushed by my meanest mother in the world into learning and earning and giving and living and loving. Mine was the meanest mother in the world. And I had one of those. And I thank God for her. We need more mean mothers in this world. So we honor our parents by following their teaching. And, and by the way, it doesn't matter if your parents don't have the education that you do. We still honor them because they've been farther down the road than we have. Let me illustrate it this way. Suppose Faith and I are going on a trip to California, maybe to one of my favorite places in the world, Yosemite National Park. And let's say that, you know, Erica and Becca and, and their families are going to follow us out there in a couple of days. And so about halfway out there, Faith and I get on the phone and, and we say, hey, Gabe and Erica and Claire and, and Becca and Jace, uh, don't come Highway 72 or whatever because there's construction along the way and you will be backed up for hours. And, and also we stopped at this fabulous motel that was so cheap and they had this incredible breakfast buffet and on and on and on. And now as we are giving those tips to our children, that doesn't mean that we're smarter than they are. It just means that we've been a little further down the road. And when it comes to our parents, they've been further down the road. They may not have the education we do. They may not be as techy. They sure won't dress as stylish. But they've experienced a lot of things in life, and we can learn from them. Lastly, we bring joy to our parents by showing them love. You know, my dad doesn't understand things as he used to and Parkinson's has so many different faces and you know a lot of times we think of Parkinson's just you know the, the shaking and my dad actually doesn't really have the shakes uh, but dementia is one of the faces of Parkinson's and you can still carry on a conversation with him his mind is not what it used to be but let me tell you what causes my heart my heart to do flips and when I walk in every morning and every morning and I'm not saying that you have to do this, but this is just what I, what I try to do. I, I try to go in and see him every morning at 7 o'clock and have breakfast with him. And uh, when Dad sees me, and sometimes he's taking a snooze there in his wheelchair, and I, said, I will say, hi, Dad. And his face lights up, and he says, hi, son. You don't know the joy it, it, it brings me just to see the smile on his face. This past Monday, Faith made some amazing homemade blackberry cobbler. And I'm sorry I didn't bring any for you today, but um, I, I took him a piece of that Monday evening and, and it was smothered in heavy whipping cream. My dad would call it whooping cream. Uh, but that 90-year-old dad of mine thought he was in heaven, even eating dessert at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And 
you know, it brings me so much joy to make him happy. And one more thing, um, there at the nursing home, they have once a month, the first Tuesday of the month, they have what they call waffle day. And, and so the administration, they will bring out the tables and these waffle makers and they will have strawberries and blueberries and they will have nuts and, uh, all kinds of toppings there for the waffles. And, and, uh, so that the head dietitian can, why she will text me and the night before says, Joe, it's waffle day. Bring Jace, bring your grandson. And, and, um, but anyway, this, this Tuesday, I, I went in there with Jace as I do every waffle day with Jace and we have breakfast together and dad just lights up. It's like for a moment he, you know, he goes back to just the dad that he was whenever he sees this eight-year-old boy that he loves so much. And I'm not bragging on him because I, I do a terrible job sometimes of showing dad love. I should do better. But I want, I want my dad to know that, that I love him. And, and listen, if your parents are still alive, let me encourage you to write that letter now. Pay that visit now. Send that gift now. Give that kiss of affection now. As they say, dead noses smell no roses. Shakespeare once said, how sharper than a serpent's tooth is it to have a thankless child. And I don't want to be guilty of going to my dad's funeral and realize that I was thankless. And I don't want my dad, and I keep saying dad because mom's been gone eight years now, but I don't want my dad to come down to his last days and wonder, does, does Joe really love me? I've got two other siblings, one's in Pennsylvania, one's in Arkansas, and there's no way they can be there very much. But I want dad to know that, I want him to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his son, Joe, loves him dearly. Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, after a lifetime of service to the Lord and a lifetime of study of, of the Word of God and a lifetime of observing human behavior here's what he said he said i've lived over 60 years and this is such a powerful statement he said i've learned that no man or woman who dishonors their father or mother ever prospers so on this mother's day could we elevate our respect for the aged maybe your parents are gone could we elevate our respect? I truly believe that the way a society cares for the aged will pretty much determine the direction it goes in the future. So could, could we do that? Could we just elevate authority? And I'm not saying authority is always right because they're not. And there sometimes is a time to rise up, but... I believe one of the things that's happened in our society is that we have just dumbed down authority to where, you know, we're taught to critique everybody, critique, you know, the city council, critique the teacher and critique this and that. And the result is our children no longer respect authority. So could we just elevate honor or honor and respect not only to our parents, 
not only to the aged, but to those in authority. Shall we pray, Lord? I know, uh, Father, sometimes we just get careless. Lord, I know sometimes we come to the point to where, you know, we think about ourselves and we're, we're so... We're so consumed with making a living and taking care of our family or ourselves or whatever, going to work and trying to keep a job and trying to stay healthy and trying to get our grass cut. And Lord, sometimes the result is that we we focus so much on ourselves that we forget to really honor others. And so, Lord, on this uh, on this Mother's Day, would you find us faithful? Lord, would you cause us to be faithful to uh, to our parents? And if our parents are not here, maybe we can pick out someone else, uh, a parental figure that we could show honor and respect to. God, I pray that with our children that we would do a good job of instilling respect and honor. Lord, I pray that our children, if we have children in the home, that they would grow up to love Jesus and that we would provide the boundaries and the love and the responsibility and the mentorship, the discipleship to where they would choose Jesus whenever they reach a point where they understand yes or no. Lord, I pray that you would be with uh, be with us, that we would model Christianity. Lord, I heard uh, just recently of, of a pastor and someone made the comment that pastor makes us all not want to be a Christian because of his double life. And God, I pray that that wouldn't be said about any of us here. That as they observe us, that they would say there's something different, the kindness and the love and the honor and the respect and the compassion. They make me want to be a Christian. So God, I pray that this week you would give us opportunities to just elevate our level of honor and respect and especially lord let us honor and respect you more than ever before lord thank you for your word that gives us instruction thank you for your word that's light it's life it's truth and so lord we ask that you would help us this week to follow your word we pray this in jesus precious and holy name And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sitting through this very painful lesson. Thank you for not throwing any rotten tomatoes. And uh, may you have a blessed Mother's Day. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.